You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Well, good morning, everyone. Great to see you all this morning. Uh, we're in a, a series uh, looking at prayer, and it's called Teachers to Pray. And we're looking at the Lord's Prayer. And um, 53 words contained in this prayer that will transform and change our lives. And uh, Jesus taught his disciples how to pray and then also teaches us as his disciples, as his followers, how to pray as well. And um, it's interesting, right before uh, he teaches them how to pray, uh, Jesus responds to the disciples' request, Lord, teach us to pray with this, when you pray. So Jesus says, when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray. In other words, we don't learn about prayer primarily through uh, going to conferences and reading books about prayer. We learn about praying by doing something revolutionary. Do you know what that is? Amazing. Come Holy Spirit, let's uh, have a ministry time. Um, we learn by praying. Prayer is, is, is one of those things which is on-the-job training. Uh, there's many things in life where you get trained and then you do, but prayer is one of those things where you just start by praying and we get discipled and informed and transformed through praying. And um, you just have to do it, and that's personally, but also corporately. Rachel alluded to our prayer meeting last Monday. It really was such a stunning time. I encourage you to get down here. We have a number of prayer meetings throughout the week, but our central gathering is here at the church, 7.30 on a Monday. And we've always had a little break uh, over the summer, but we just sense that God is inviting us into this place and space to lean into prayer throughout the summer season. And it's just, it was just incredible, um, stunning prayers. You know, I learn a lot how to pray, not just through praying, but actually listening to others, to come and just hear their heart and their, their, their desires for the Lord. And it's just amazing. And I was thinking about our week. And if we all sleep for eight hours, which I know for some of us have kids is a miracle, but that would leave us with 112 hours in a week. And if we just take that one hour out of the 112 hours just to come and to pray together, I worked out, and my math isn't brilliant, that's 0.9% of our waking week committed to praying together as a church. And I think we could do a lot worse with our time than to do that. Imagine if we just um, gave 0.9% of our week to praying together as a church. Imagine what could happen with that. And the reality is, is that when we do that, it's, it's life in the kingdom multiplies. God's stuff just happens. Um, they're like God coincidences just happen because we've committed to a journey of prayer. And I'm just so encouraged with what's happening with the church at the moment. A lot of people ask me, particularly church pastors say, you know, about the church. And, I, and the best way I could describe it is that I feel like I'm, a spectator. I feel like I'm just watching what God is doing, which is a great place to be in. 
A lot of time in leadership, you have seasons where you're trying in partnership with God to stir things and catalyze things and pioneer things. But I really sense that it's such an absolute joy just to watch what God is doing with such divine momentum and we just get to rejoice and celebrate with all that he is doing. And I want to encourage you to lean into prayer and you don't start with what you don't know. A lot of people struggle with prayer because they, they, they want to look for something that's beyond what they know. Why do you begin with what you know? Why do you start with the words? I joked, was it last week or a couple weeks ago, about put Jesus in your phone contact list and send him a WhatsApp. If, if you're new to the faith and you're just starting out and you're like, you know prayer's important and you're like, what do I do? I just think, just start with what you know. Just talk to God. Start with what you have. And there's no substitute for just praying. When a student asked Albert Einstein, what is there left in the world for original dissertation research? He said this, find out about prayer. Somebody must find out about prayer. And Jesus in this, the Lord's Prayer, gives us He just prays, but in that, he's giving us a template. He's giving us a guide. He's giving us a recipe uh, in how to pray. And the order of things is super helpful. And so if this is your first time hearing this series, I want to encourage you to listen to the last few weeks and the podcast. The first and most important thing is to know who you're praying to. To know who your heavenly father is. The knowledge of God is where we begin. And so it's so important, we, we love, don't we, to begin prayer with lists, okay? Who likes lists here when we pray? Lord, help this, heal this, do that, I'd like this. And I, I, I want to encourage you not, it's, it's to kind of rip up your list and start with the person, not the list. Start with who we're praying to. That is the most important thing, who we are praying to what's God like where does he live and then that leads very much after the approach into the motive that his cause is about his kingdom it's the king and the kingdom so when we pray Lord let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven and it talks about letting your will be done is that we, we, we're capturing the heart of God of what he is all about and I think once we've established who God is and the motive for prayer is I think we're in a really healthy place to start to pray for our desires, our wants, and our needs. And I'll tell you why. is because what you find is there is a connection, there is a synergy, there is an overlap that God's desires become your desires. If we just go in with our list and not the person and the purpose, is that we find we're praying for maybe all sorts of things that are outside the heart and the will of God. But where we get to connect with the will and the heart of God is that when we start right. And so we arrive today with these six words. Give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. And so we've looked at the approach. We've looked at the motive. Now I want to look today at needs. So I've, today's talk is really this, how to pray for our needs. How to pray for our needs. Now I think we're a crucial part of this prayer where we're tackling something that I think is prevalent to a lot of us, particularly in our, in our world, and I'm sure to many of you in this church, and that is 
it is helpful to deal with the common threat that is called anxiety. If we can really grasp this moment of the prayer, give us today our daily bread, I believe that is, um, it, it really is a counter uh, act to anxiety. And understanding the power of this prayer, give us today our daily bread, really I think is the antidote to dealing with anxiety in our lives. You see, where this prayer lands in the broader scheme of things is really, really crucial. Later in verse 25, the disciples are taught not to worry about their basic needs. And then later in verse 34, they're told not to worry about tomorrow. And so there's two words that I think are really important in these six words, give us today our daily bread. And it's this today and daily. If we can grasp what does it mean to pray today and daily, I think that can really help a number of us with worry and anxiety. I think a lot of our worry and anxiety actually stems from a fear that we won't have enough for tomorrow. When we're worried about the future, when we're worried about various circumstances or people, situations, we're concerned and we bring the problems of tomorrow into today. I love these couple of axioms, okay? Might help you process this. Worry is faith in something that might never happen. Worry and anxiety are interest paid in advance on something you may never own. You know, I made it no secret for many years in this church that um, I have struggled and wrestled with sometimes in certain seasons crippling and intense anxiety in my life. It's something that has attacked my faith um, with real intensity and I've had to find ways how to fight the battle against anxiety. And the thing about anxiety is that of course it gives rise to other things, doesn't it? If you're anxious or worried about, say, finances, it can give rise to greed or hoarding or even um, lavish overspending. Um, when we're anxious about succeeding, it can lead to being abrupt or even irritable. When you're anxious about relationships, it can lead to being withdrawn from people and indifferent and apathetic towards people. Um, when you're anxious about how someone sees you, it can give rise to things like lying. Let's be honest, we can also even have anxiety when it comes to prayer. How many of you have ever felt anxious about prayer? It's crazy. But you can have um, outcome anxiety, like what if I pray and it doesn't work? What if I don't get that job? What if um, that person doesn't get healed? What if that spouse doesn't come back? We can have outcome anxiety. We can have motive anxiety. Uh, I try and pray and I can't concentrate. I have all these different thoughts. Um, I, I, I'm not sure God is really ever going to use me to uh, contribute and to bend and shape history. We can have God anxiety. We look at suffering and the war that's going on and people's opinions and we're like, wow, who is God even? And so this, this subconscious often thing of anxiety can also even attack, attack our prayer lives. And so I know that when anxiety can be conquered, 
then it strikes a blow to so many other sins in our lives. I think at the root of it, for many, is actually an issue of faith. When, when I've processed dealing with anxiety, at the heart of it is actually unbelief. Now, don't get me wrong, this isn't, a, you know, anxiety can be cyclical, so then people, and, and much of the church has put this on people, and it's just so wrong that, um, is it where we're worried about our anxiety? And so we think, oh, we haven't got enough faith, and therefore the anxiety just increases. That's not what it's about. It's understanding that actually when anxiety comes, it's an attack on our faith, and we need principles, and we need God's help and power to overcome that, which is essentially faith. I want you to imagine you're, in a, you're on a car journey, and um, you're going down the motorway, and then your windscreen gets hit by a load of, say, mud from a big tractor right in front of you. Now, in that moment, you may lose sight. In that moment, you may swerve. In that moment, you may slow down. But it doesn't mean you quit. It doesn't mean you stop entirely. It doesn't mean you think, am I in the wrong car? It doesn't mean that, am I on the wrong road? No, you adjust to that mud on the screen. And what do you do? You turn your windscreen wipers on and you use the windscreen washer fluid. The wipers are like God's word, which is another term for daily bread. God's word are those wipers and the fluid is like the Holy Spirit. And so we need the power of the Holy Spirit and we need the washing of God's word on our lives when anxiety and worry attacks us. It's both and. We read the promises of truth we find in the Bible and we seek the Spirit's help daily when anxiety comes. And so I want you to see that one of the great weapons of faith that we have at our disposal against anxiety is to bring our needs to God on a daily basis and to ask for his provision and trusting in his provision for today and today only. I'm sure many of us would like a conversation with God which goes something like this. Lord, you know what my life's gonna look like. Could you just meet my needs for, say, the next year, and we'll chat again later? Or maybe you can just, you know what I need. You're sovereign, you're in control, you're a God of providence. Just meet my needs the rest of my life, and we'll chat in eternity about it. Now, we aren't to consume our tomorrows by feeding on our yesterdays or preoccupied with tomorrow and what will come. But as Jesus says in chapter six, later on, Verse 34, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. In other words, and this is the key to anxiety, today, Sunday, has enough problems. Why bring Monday's problems into Sunday? And you think that's easier said than done. How do we do it? We come to God daily and say, Lord, I know your grace and your promises and your word and your presence is sufficient for today. Amen. And do you know what that brings? And this is the most important thing. Because you may think, oh, how are we going to deal with the shopping list and needs? 
It brings us to a point of relationship with Jesus, who is our daily bread. That's why the Lord encourages us here to come to him so that we can daily depend on him. We can daily depend on him and his promises. And this brings us in ultimately to a place of trust and faith and reliance and dependence. And that takes us away from that preoccupation of worry and anxiety about what will happen with this situation, that situation with my life. It's about a life that daily depends on the promises of God. And so this is a pivotal understanding of the prayer here, that God doesn't give us a year's worth of bread in advance. He doesn't. He gives you enough sufficient for the day. He gives you enough for today. And he brings us to a place of daily asking, relying on him. And when we do this, it's a reminder, isn't it, of our need for him. God is actually asking us to ask him. So if, you, if, if we really understood the character and the nature of God, you'd know that because he's our heavenly father and he's so generous and he loves his kids, he's wanting us to ask him, to express to him our longings and our desires and our needs. He expects them. He wants us to be real with him, to be honest, to be specific. He's longing to hear our expression of our need for him. That's why God likes it. I'm not saying we over-spiritualize everything and if, if you need a pair of shoes, you just pray and hope some size 10s come the next morning outside your door. Maybe we, I think we need to pray more like that. But actually, it's, it's an encouragement, yes, to pray about everything. Maybe we're worried about everything because we're praying about nothing. And so the encouragement is, is even your little small needs that seem so insignificant, bring them to God because he's in the detail. He understands everything. He knows our thoughts before we think them. He knows exactly how much money we have in our bank accounts. He knows to the penny. He knows the needs and the trials and the circumstances. He knows what's going on with our kids. And as I always say, particular dedications is our kids belong to God. They're on loan to us, but they don't belong to me, they belong to him. Do you know what that does to deal with anxiety and worry? It severs the root of anxiety and worry because we're putting things in its correct perspective. God cares, he wants to hear. You know, I love Polish bread and I love French bread. Why? Because you have to have it daily for it to be its freshest. You know, as a family of six, you know, we get the, the, the loaf of Hovis and it, you know, it keeps you, doesn't it, for five days. You've got all the kids' sandwiches and everything. And, and look, I like it. I, I like it. Joni makes me have 50-50, but I like white Hovis. <laughs> and it's, it's cheap and it's, it's great for the family, but you can't be Polish or French bread where you have to go to the, if we go to France, the boulangerie and get your fresh baguette. And do you know what? That's... That's a picture of what God wants for us. Don't rely on the Hovis that lasts a week. Come to him 
every day. And some of us are still living off that touch from God years ago. Some of us are living off from that conference. Do you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm praying, like Rachel said, I'm praying for all our kids to have an amazing time at DTI. But you know what? The conference God isn't any different to local church God. And it's the same God when they're lying in their room, on their bed, and they're struggling with all the things that society's throwing at our young people today. They can have the same access. They don't need three, 4,000 people to have an encounter with God. But so often we've done that. We've had an experience and then we've lived off yesterday's bread and tried to fight our concerns and anxieties and worries that we bring in from tomorrow. And no wonder we're struggling and imploding with the stress of it all. Daily, today, daily, come to him. There is fresh bread, fresh manna. God doesn't run out. He's not like the shops. You know, in COVID, you go to the shop and the shelves are gone. You know, there's nothing there. That, that's not God's economy. And it's interesting that in answer to this, teachers how to pray, how do I pray, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but after the Lord's Prayer, Jesus, in Luke's account, talks about a parable. And it's about this guy who goes see his neighbor needing bread, and needing bread because hospitality and that culture was particularly uh, important. And so if someone came for bread and you didn't have any, it was, it was horrendous. It was almost seen as being shameful. And so he goes to his neighbor and his neighbor's not really interested. You know, he's like, I'm, I'm, we're trying to sleep. My, my kids are, are in bed with me. We're all trying to sleep and you're, you're knocking on the door at midnight. It's so inconvenient. And yet because of, in the parable, the person's boldness and audacity, the person responds. It doesn't just respond to need, but responds to boldness and audacity. This is the kind of prayer that God is looking for from us, that we can boldly approach the throne of grace. Because of the blood of Jesus, we can now enter in to that holiest of places, the presence of God, and we can ask anything, ask for anything. And there's... It says this, and it's kind of like three levels of prayer. In this parable, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to one who knocks, the door will be opened. So if you want to know how do we go about asking God for our daily bread, for petitioning for our needs, the, the kind of the, the clues are in here and how we do it. And there's three levels here. First level, base level, is we just ask. And there'll be times, and I think particularly when you're starting out on your faith journey, you ask, and it just gets provided. You ask God, and the answer comes. You ask God, and the provision comes. When I was starting on my journey many years ago about um, the journey of give, giving and, and all of that, for that first couple of years, I had tremendous miracles Tremendous miracles where the right amount of money would just end up in the letterbox. Or someone would come to me and said, you have a bill and it's like 
180 pounds and 50p or something like that. Here's a check for that. And it was exactly that. I mean, it was mind-blowing. Because you're just on this excitable journey like a kid. Say, can I have this? Can I have that? Can I have some sweets? Can we go to this toy shop? That's what, and it's a joy. It's a joy to the Father. But then there's like a second um, level. And after asking, it's seeking. Mysteriously, some of the answers we were hoping for kind of slow down. Has anyone noticed that? Who's been on the faith journey for a long time? You're praying about something. It's like, hmm, where's God? Where's he gone? Has he gone missing? And actually, it's at this place that a lot of people who aren't rooted in the faith will often um, disappear and lose their faith, leave church, because God hasn't come through for them how they thought he should on their timetable and timescales. But actually, this is the place where God is leading us to questions, to inquiring. This is what we see in the Psalms, seeking the face of God. Why? And I know it's terribly cliched, but you'll understand the point. This is the place where relationship and intimacy with God is, is deepened because it's not about seeking God's hand, but his face. So we're not, we're more bothered about who God is rather than what he can give me. This is a crucial part of the journey of faith. And so you begin to spend more time with him. You, you spend time in the secret place and that hunger and thirst and that desire for him starts to happen. Look, I, I love the game hide and seek. Anyone here love the game hide and seek? I love it for a number of reasons. Um, the kids are quiet. They've safely gone missing. I don't need to call the police. And it's free. So there are three great reasons why every parent should play hide and seek with their kids. And I've had some great games hide and seek. I once played in the Yorkshire Dales with some friends and I went missing for two hours. And I'm like, nobody's, everyone stopped looking for me. And I climbed on the house roof with my mate and everything and then they were just all watching TV when I came back and weren't interested. They'd given up after 10 minutes. But the reality of hide and seek is that when you find someone, say, under the bed or whatever, your kid, they've always been there. But it it took you to have a good look and to seek and time and investment. And often we think God's hidden things from us, but he hasn't. He's hidden things for us. And this is the point of ways encouraging us to seek after him, to seek the face of God and to long for him. And it's about deepening our relationship with him. And then thirdly, knock. Now we come to the big one. You've been praying for something, seeking God, searching, knocking, and there's been no answer. It's kind of like, I cannot break through a locked gate. And this is the place of spiritual warfare. This is the place where the enemy seeks to wear us down so that unlike the persistent widow, we stop praying and connecting with God. And so we could expect that when it comes to prayer, when it comes to anything to do with reading your Bible or coming to church or anything like that, is that the enemy doesn't like it. And he will throw everything at you. He will throw mud at the windscreen of your life to stop you even spending the time 
investing in your relationship. Prayer is ultimately about walking through open doors and opening closed doors. This is what prayer is about. Walking through open doors and walking through and opening closed doors. And so don't be surprised that prayer is easily hijacked and we're distracted by other things. I've got a list of things how the enemy attacks the prayers of the church. He attacks our trust in the Lord so that we feel unworthy. It's a big one. He attacks our bodies so that we feel we don't have the strength to pray. He attacks our time so that we are too busy to pray. He attacks our constant fellowship with the Lord so that it feels as if there's a barrier there. He attacks our minds so that we fail to see the necessity to pray. And how many of you know that just modern technology, the phone, the internet, is one of the greatest distractions to connect with God? And part of that is it's fueling instant access. It's fueling an instant hit, call it a dopamine effect or whatever, rather than actually seeking, asking, knocking at the door in prayer. And so, church, we're at this stage and when we're asking for daily bread where actually we, we begin to long for the prize being God himself not meeting our needs. You begin to understand there is value and worth in the process, not the end goal. So we begin to see disappointment and rejection and failure actually in our lives as a gift and success. We see God's no actually as a yes to us. We see interruptions and delays as opportunities. We see that we are the project and we are probably the answers to the prayers that we're praying because God is more interested in who we're becoming like his son rather than just God will you get me this and get me that do you understand and this ultimately leads us to this is that Jesus is our daily bread and I'll finish with this Jesus declared in one of his seven I am sayings I am the bread of life Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And the context of when he says this is he's taken the five loaves of bread and the two fishes and he's fed 5,000 people. It's an extraordinary miracle. And you need to understand that amongst the miracles, amongst Jesus' extraordinary compassion, because he's a real economic need that he was meeting in those days, is that he's actually using these miracles as signs. They are signposts to point to him if you've ever been to an art gallery and underneath the big painting whatever there's like a little description underneath and it's who painted it the date and sometimes some information about the painting to make sense of it now imagine you go up through the art gallery you go up to the painting and you don't look at the picture and you just look at the sign and you read the description about who did it what it's about, but you actually miss the whole point, which is to gaze at the beauty of the painting. 
This is how Jesus went about doing miracles. You're, you're missing the point. And so when coming off the back of feeding the 5,000, he, he makes this declaration, I am the bread of life. You want food that sustains the body, but I am your food that will sustain you spiritually. And he repeats himself over and over again. He says, I will offer you a life that will satisfy your spiritual hunger eternally, forever in Jesus. He's saying, look, I know you need your daily bread. I know you need your immediate needs, circumstances sorted. But you need to understand that I am your food. I am the bread of life. The only reason you're coming to Jesus and often Jesus would test people's hearts in this, is the only reason you're coming to me is because um, you've been given both physical and temporary food. Your belly got filled, but it spoils and it perishes. Can you come to me, not so I can do something for you, but for who I am? You know what I've done, but do you know who I am? Who I am will always be greater than what I have done. And so Jesus, in prayer, is actually now challenging the intentions of our heart, the motives of our heart. Do you just want God because, like Santa Claus, he can give you something? Or do you want Jesus because he's Jesus and he is who he says he is? Many years ago on my discipleship journey, I, I just came to a point, if I never felt anything ever again, ever the presence of the Holy Spirit, if I never had a miracle, if I never had like a God encounter, it wouldn't matter. I believe in Jesus and who he says he is because I know him and I'm knowing him more and more every day and he is the prize. He is more precious and so that makes you actually rip up your little lists I'm not saying don't have lists, okay, hear me. I'm being, speaking in terms of hyperbole to make a point. We get to a point, actually, our lists and our desires don't matter as much because we want him. And we want him and his name and his fame and his renown. We want him to be glorified. We long for him and we long for his kingdom to be extended. And so this is a challenge as I come to land for us as a church. Will we seek the gifts, or will we seek the giver? Will we seek his face, not just his hand? Because I think for many of us, we often want the benefits, but not the cost. We want the blessing, but not the burden. We want the power, but not the person. We want the miracles, but not the man. We want the crown, but we don't want the cross. We want the glory, but we don't want the suffering. And the reality is, is in the kingdom journey, it is the radical tension of both. We hug both lines. We just want him. Some of you are here today and the reality is, is you're malnourished and you've lost heart because you stopped feasting on the bread of life, which is Jesus. So if you take anything away from today's message, take this. How do we sever the root of anxiety? 
It is, a, it is a fight against unbelief. Come to him with your needs every single day. Every single day. And then also come to him with the prize being him, not just the stuff that we want in prayer. We believe as a church in prayer, that prayer makes all the difference. We believe that fervent, heartfelt, passionate prayer is the key and is essential to leading people to Christ, is essential to seeing people in this church, in our community, their lives transformed and changed. We believe that we would never have experienced the growth and God's favor and presence upon us if it wasn't for prayer. And so before we stand and uh, say the Lord's Prayer together, can I just ask for a couple of things that we would, we would come and pray to God for uh, as a church family uh, over the holidays? First of all, um, we'll be talking a lot more about this after the summer, but we're going to be launching this Alpha course we're hoping it's the biggest Alpha course we've ever done. We'd love this auditorium to be packed out with people, with friends, neighbors, people we just bumped into, family, um, who, are, who don't know Jesus. And I want us to begin to pray. Maybe start this summer by praying, just take three people in your world and pray for them daily, bring them to God. And start to think about who could we bring and invite to Alpha? How can you play your part? Maybe... Uh, that doesn't happen and so that you can come and uh, serve at the Alpha course. We'd love to do that. It'll be happening in uh, October. And also, can we pray for Joni and I as a family? Um, we, next week, we go, we're speaking at a conference. Um, I'm speaking eight times in five days, so please pray for me. I mean, it's supposed to be our August summer holiday. Uh, and, then, and then after that, we'll get off and... Um, we'll have some time, it's fine. But you know, I, we don't often ask for this, but I think it's important you pray for your leaders. So would you, would you bear Joni and I and the family in your prayers and ask the Lord to really give us a time of, of refreshing uh, for good health um, and so that we can come back in September strong. And then um, I might get an email off before I, I go to the conference, but if not, just because I said I'd do it in July and I want to be a person of my word is, um, I talked some weeks ago about us adding another service to our, our Sunday gatherings, which we're um, hoping to do. I think some people uh, I've heard have thought, oh, well, is that starting in September? No, it won't, because we'll all have a nervous breakdown. Um, and so uh, it's amazing how many of you have responded to the call I think we've added at least, I think, another 20 maybe to the kids' team. We need another 20 in order to make this happen. And so um, this will be happening um, after Christmas next year. We'll go through, we'll walk you through the details and the plans, how it's going to look. But it's really, really exciting. But we'll, we'll take the church through that, and I'll, I'll share more about that probably in September. Um, but please, would you pray for that? This is something that not that we're doing and putting on the church. This is for us all to have responsibility in. Uh, We're longing to make room for people who have yet to come. That's our real desire. And um, and so we're we're thankful for the growth and we need to 
um, navigate that with adding a, a third service to um, our Sunday. So it's exciting all that God's doing, but I think it needs to be really bathed in prayer. And where we're asking, and we move from asking, we may need to do some seeking and some knocking, and, um, and we will do that. So why do you stand? And... Let's just say this prayer together. Say it loud. Say it like you mean it. Okay. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Thank you for listening to the Hall Vineyard Podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.